scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 24, verse 13. And it reads, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Imamus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. You may be seated. I want to thank Brandon for that wonderful song selections and singing that we had. Stan, thank you for that very humble prayer, especially where you prayed for me. And uh, I need all the prayers I can get. Thank you, Lynn, for the scripture reading. It's good that you're here today. We have a uh, great many visitors. I see you visiting with us. and We're glad you're here. Glad you chose to come out today and worship with us. Brother Laws, Jim Laws, is the, for those of you visiting with us, is our pulpit minister. And today, uh, this morning, he's teaching class, and Sunday morning only, he's preaching in uh, Gun Barrel City, which is just a little town up the, road, uh, up the way, about 30, 40, 50 miles. And he's there this morning, and we wish him the very best. And we uh, look forward to him being back this evening with us, too. What does today mean to you? Why are you here? Why did you come this morning to this place to worship God? Questions I want you to ask yourself. What were you thinking this morning as we gathered around this table? These men, five men, stood up here this morning, or six men. They stood up and they had prayers. And we took out emblems of the Lord's body and his blood. And they served you with that. And we were commanded to do so. This do in remembrance of me was the message that Paul passed on to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, and for us to follow. As we come this morning and we gather around this table and we break this bread and drink his blood, we are in communion with Christ and he asks us and commands us to do so. Now for you visiting with us today, what a special treat you have. Because all you must do is just lift your nose to the air and breathe, which I've been doing it. And you smell wonderful food. I noticed the deacons and, 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 uh, are, are preparing tables out in the hall as we speak this morning. And what they're preparing for is a fellowship meal. We have it on the fifth Sunday of every month that we have five Sundays generally. And today is one of those days we implore you, if you're visiting with us, please stay. Not only do we want you to stay and eat, we want you to be our honored guest in, in that that we're doing. The ladies have cooked enough for you and for me, and I've asked them to do so, and they have, and we really would like for you to stay and enjoy uh, the fellowship that we have. Well, Lynn led, read from us uh, today, now behold, two of them were traveling from the same day, that same day, to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Well, that's just enough to kind of whet our appetite. There's a lot more to that story, and we're going to look at it. But I want you to think about this day. What is this day? What does it mean to you? What would the Bible have us get out of today? You know, we had Bible classes this morning for our children and for our youth age group. And then we had uh, children. We had uh, adult Bible classes. There are six or eight teachers that, no doubt, last night and maybe early this morning, were preparing for their class, perhaps all week. 
And uh, I taught a class in here this morning, which Jim normally does. I know that I put uh, preparation in, into that class. Now, not all of you were in class today, and this isn't a lesson of admonishment, but it's just one for you to remember. What is this day? Why is this day? You know, y yesterday was Saturday, and the day before was Friday. Lord willing, tomorrow will be Monday. But what does this day mean to you? What is significant about this day that's different than all the other days? The Jews met for 1,500 years. They met on Saturday, Sabbath. They met on a Sabbath. They held it holy. They went to the synagogue. There were things they could do. And there were prohibitions of things they couldn't do. And once a year, they celebrated the Passover. The Passover was the Passover from death unto life. Because in their history, they spent 400 and some odd years in Egypt as slaves. And they wouldn't let them go. And a death angel came into that great country of Egypt. And he passed over those houses. Those houses that had the blood of the lamb on the door, he passed over them. They were passed over from death into life. And those that did not have it, they saw death the firstborn. But we're not under the Jewish commandment of the Sabbath. We're not under the Jewish commandment of the Passover. But we were commanded. I don't know if you know this, but we were commanded to come together today. And there was many reasons for that. And we're going to look at some of them today. Well, if you're in Luke 24, that'd be a good place to be. Just stay there. Because in that chapter, we're going to look at a story. This story is often called the road to Emmaus story. The two men that traveled to Emmaus. Emmaus was a town, according to the scriptures, seven miles outside of Jerusalem. It is not known today where Emmaus is located. They don't know. It no doubt has changed its name, has another name. Maybe it's defunct. Maybe it's no more. But these men were on their road to go to a town, a community called Emmaus. And if you will, feel free to get ahead of me, whatever. But look in this chapter. This will be the chapter that we're, we're going to study. <clears throat> Lynn read that scripture, read that scripture to us. And it says now that that, now that same day, and that's what we're going to be talking about. That same day. We're going to see this come up three or four times. That same day. What day was that? And we're going to look in this chapter and we'll see. Let's just start in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb to bring the spices which they had prepared. They're going to anoint Christ's body. He's died upon a cross. That Friday, he was laid in a tomb. And it's that day. It is two days, three days later. He died on a Friday and was buried. And now we're on the first day of the week. We're on a Sunday. Three days he had been in the grave. And under the Jewish customs, he was put in that. We know if we read the gospel accounts, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, Nicodemus of John 3, they go and ask Pilate for his body. And they take his body and they place it in a grave, and it's a sepulcher in stone with a with a uh, a large stone to cover that uh, entrance in. They were prohibited on a Saturday, being the Sabbath, as we discussed earlier. They were prohibited 
in going and handling and, and uh, preparing this body because it was work and they were to rest on the Sabbath as God had done through creation. But here it is the first day of the week, Sunday morning at daylight, right at the break of day. And they have many spices that they're going to go and they're going to prepare his body with. And that's the purpose of their going. But in verse 2, we find out that they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the leaven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Peter arose, and he ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. And then our scripture. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. This is that same day. The first day of the week, Sunday morning, the third day that Christ had been in the tomb. It is that same day, the tomb that was found empty. That same day that the angel said, he's not here, he's risen. It was that same day that those that loved him and followed him couldn't find him. And they were confused. And they were perplexed at his disappearance. It was that same day. Now having said that, what does this day mean to you? Isn't it something that from that day on, that would be the day we would come together. That would be the day we would become one as we fellowship around this table. It was that day that the Lord would command that we would meet on the first day of every week. It was that day that we would save our money to give into the collection plate. It was that day. Do you see the importance of that day? Because today is that day, 2,000 years later. Do you understand the significance of Sunday morning and what it means to you? As we look out that window at those cars driving by, and if you can look out this window the other way, that day, that same day, this day, the Lord's day, doesn't mean the same to them that it does to you. Do you see the significance of that day? Things happened on that day that we will wait for a long time to ever happen again. You know, 
as we gather around this table, we're instructed by Paul and by the Lord to remember his death, that he came to this earth and that he died in atonement for your sins and for mine. But there was even more that went on that day. On that day, 2,000 years ago, he was not found in the tomb. He had departed. What did the angel say? I love it. Why seek you the living amongst the dead? What do we find at cemeteries? The body of those that die. And that would, should have been the case of Jesus had he not been the son of God. But he was the son of God. And the grave could not hold him. He was sinless. And his blood atoned for the sins of the world if they would all but come to him. It was that same day that these men left to go to Emmaus. Now then, we've looked at some other things. There were women. And if you read the full account, you can read it in Matthew. You can read it in John 20. And it's a full account. It it may seem controversial that there were two angels spoken here or one angel spoken here or one setting and one setting on a stone and so on. But what it is, if you take it all in, you'll get the full account of that day, what happened on that day. And so here we see that these women prepared spices. There were other women besides these. These were named. But if we look in another account, there were other women there. And we have these two men. One we'll find in uh, verse uh, uh, later on, verse 18, his name was Cleopas. We don't know what the, man, the other man's name, but there were two of them. And on this same day, this Lord's Day, they had been with those women. They had witnessed an empty grave. They had witnessed a, disappearing, a disappeared body. They wondered, and, it, and notice what it says, they were perplexed. They were in wonderment. They marveled. They were confused. What did the Lord promise that would happen in three days? It's that third day. And he's not there. And if you read the different accounts that you read in the Bible, it's pitiful. Some of Mary Magdalene, for sure. She sees the Lord and doesn't recognize him. And she thinks he's the gardener. And she says, oh, where have you laid him? Where's his body? I need to find him. Not knowing who she was speaking to. They were confused. They were perplexed. Do we find ourselves that way sometimes? About that day? What all happened? What all went on? It was a, it, it, it was a day like no other day. And they're marveling at it. And they're confused. And they're, uh, they don't know exactly what all's going on. And so, we're going to look at some other things about that day, about that day. Now, keep this in mind also. Remember this. If you turn to the very first chapter of the book of Luke, and if you turn to the first chapter of the book of Acts, Luke being the author of those, he's writing to an ancient king, a Gentile king named Theopolis. And keep this in mind, Theopolis was a man that wanted to know, but didn't know. And Luke is telling this years after the fact. So he's, that's, we, that's the reason we see that terminology. He's talking about, and he said, it was that same day, giving Theopolis the context. It was the day that the Lord was risen from the grave. It was the day that he had been in the ground three days. It was that day that the women carried the spices to him. It was that day that the apostles ran and were confused and saw the linen strips. It was that day that these two men, Cleopas, 
being one of them, traveled to Emmaus. It was that day, O Theopolis. See, that king is catching, he's understanding the context of what went on on that day. Okay, so when we get to 13, we see these two men, and they're traveling to this community, to this town, seven miles journey from, from uh, Jerusalem. And if we look at verse 14, and they talk together of all the things which had happened. And in verse 15, so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went unto them. But their eyes, verse 16, were restrained, so they did not know him. Well, they're discussing the magnitude of all that was. Jesus had left on Thursday and had gone to Jerusalem, went up to the feast, only to have uh, been arrested and uh, had an illegal trial. And very quickly fast-tracked him to justice. Found him guilty, had him scourged, and had him crucified, and had him very quickly buried. They were going to break his legs had he not been dead. They were in a hurry to get him off the cross. Look at the hypocrisy. We've got to, we're Jews, we've got to be keeping with the law, and on the Sabbath we can't do these things. So let's hurry this up, let's get him crucified. And if he's not dead at a certain time, he's got so long to die or we'll break his legs where he can no longer breathe. But we've got to get him in the ground because tomorrow is a holy day. And we want to be holy tomorrow after we kill the Lord today. So, that is the things they're discussing. What all were they discussing? I thought he was going to be the redeemer of Israel. I thought he was going to deliver us. And they killed him. And it's been three days. And I'm perplexed, and I'm confused, and I don't know what to think. These were the things they were discussing. And the Lord has joined them, but they do not recognize him. Mark 16, 12 says, he, can't, he appeared to them in another form. So they didn't recognize him. Verse 17, the Lord said, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Obviously, they were sad. Their face was downcast. You know what their answer to him was? I wish this was your answer to people when they ask you. I wish this was my answer when people ask me about Jesus. He says, where have you been? What planet are you from? Have you not heard what all has been going on? Where have you been? Haven't you heard? Are you a stranger in town, they want to know? There's been all kinds of things been going on. Where have you been? What rock have you been under? Have you not heard what all's been going on? And as we look further, it says he was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. You know, we might say that they... Preached unto the Lord the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And it would be so except for one thing. They left out one fundamental truth. And I hope you didn't leave it out this morning. And I hope I didn't leave it out of why we came together on this same day. And that is that he was resurrected. 
He's not in that grave where they were looking for him. If that linen was still in there, it would just be there. It wouldn't be on his body. Why? He arose. Paul says he's the first fruits of the resurrection. Did you know that you're going to be raised too? Your body's going to be raised? It was sown in corruption, and it died, and it will decompose. But God, who's powerful, who spoke this world into existence, will raise your pitiful, mortal body into immortality. And this body will be prepared to live for eternity because of this day. He condemns the chief priests and the scribes for their plot to have the Lord killed. And their hypocrisy in doing so too. But they didn't know the story of the resurrection on that day at that moment in time. They will. But we know it now. How important is it to us? How important is it? When we, when we really look at it in that aspect, we ought to start in a parking lot talking to each other about that day. What went on? How marvelous it is. I often wonder about myself, and I often wonder about you as you do too. When you go home from services someday, do you ever think, I missed it today? My mind wasn't there. I forgot the reason I came today. I came and I had a bad attitude. I didn't like what was going on in front of me. I didn't like what was going over over here. I didn't like the car drive up here. Someone cut me off in traffic. Have you forgotten what the day's about? Well, they ask him, where have you been? What rock have you been under? Have you not heard what's going on? In verse 21, we see their selfishness come into play. They said, we were hoping that it was he that was going to redeem Israel. Instead, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. So they had been listening. They had not truly perceived the message that was being delivered. We don't either sometimes. We don't see the whole picture. We see it a little cloudy at times. They were hoping that the redemption of Israel was coming back. Well, guess what? It did. But not in their mind. Not the way they wanted. They wanted the sword taken away from the Romans. They wanted the occupation by foreigners, heathens, removed. They wanted to be a spiritual Israel physically. And that was not what his kingdom was about. His kingdom was about a spiritual kingdom. One that would last for eternity. What do you want out of Christ? Are you disappointed that once you became a Christian, you still got sick? Are you disappointed that uh, you, didn't, uh, you didn't do as well on that stock portfolio that you thought you would because you were a Christian? You thought the blessing flowed there? You know, if we're not careful, we're selfish, and we have, the, we have our purpose in mind rather than his. It's an eternal kingdom, a spiritual kingdom that we're all involved in if we understand what that purpose is. But they were hoping for something else. And then through their confusion, they said, and after all, it's been the third day. Jesus had made promises about the third day. He had given them guarantees about the third day. Even though they fully might not have understood it, they knew something was supposed to happen on the third day, and here is day three, and they're walking on a seven-mile journey discussing things with each other, and now with this stranger, 
And they're downcast, they're perplexed, and they're in wonderment. And they said, and it's the third day, something was supposed to happen today. They had their purpose in mind, not his. Their selfishness, only national in view. Uh, it was, he had a world view of salvation. They had a national view of Judaism only. And uh, they missed his overall view at that moment. They were concerned about this timing, too, this third day. They had, uh, it had passed, they thought, and seemed nothing was happening. They had promises that had been said. Everyone seemed to be confused. Their anxieties had not been relieved. Uh, they went on to tell him that there were women that had gone to the grave and they found it empty and that they saw visions from angels and how that some of their companions went and found it, found it this way also. Let's read verses 25 through 35. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things, to enter into his glory? Now listen. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone on further. But they constrained him saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. Notice what they're saying to logistically. The day's over. It's almost night. You don't want to be traveling at night. You'll fall in a ditch. You can't see. Stay with us. We're talking. We're discussing the Bible. Stay with us. They compelled him to stay with him. Verse 30, Now it came to pass, he sat at the table with them, and he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it. And he gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. There was a lot going on on this day. And they said to one another, this is important, verse 32. Did, our not, heart, did, our, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us. Oh, how their heart burned when they listened to Jesus talk to them. No one ever spake as he. He spoke as one having authority. And even no disguise from their view. When they got to this inn or when they got to this place of rest, after a long walking journey, they, uh, they sat with him and as he broke the bread, something in his mannerism, it dawned on them who he was. He was the Lord. And he, uh, we see that, uh, that he talks to him about, uh, in verse 25, about being foolish and slow of heart. What could be said of us today when we listen to the truths of God's word? Do we just take this at, for granted? Or do we realize the significance and how important this is? They said their hearts burned within them as he opened the scriptures. Does yours? Does mine? Does our hearts burn when we hear this wonderful story? When we hear about what our Lord did for us, where he's at, the fact that he's coming back to redeem the world that believed in him, to condemn the world that knew not God, obeyed not his gospel. Does that mean anything to us? I sure hope it does. 
And if so, what are we doing about it? You know, there may be some here today. You've not obeyed the gospel. You know these stories. You know what happened on this day. You know why we meet on this day. You know what this table's about. You know what this time is about for someone to get up and proclaim the word of God to you. But by your actions, by what you've done about it, makes you wonder what you think of this day. Their hearts burned within them when they spoke with him. Oh, and they're looking back. Remember, this is being told after the fact. Their hearts burned within them when they heard from the Lord. Let's read on. So they rose up. What had they just done? They just begged him. They just compelled him. They just pleaded with him. The day is nearly done. It's nighttime. I don't know about you, but some of us, uh, if we don't have a flashlight and we go tearing down that highway, we might not can see. We might stomp our toe. We might fall in a hole, whatever. They had just compelled him. It's the day's over. It's dark. We're tired. We've knocked a seven-mile journey out. Stay and rest with it. But once he reveals to them who he is, he disappears, it says. A lot going on on that day. If you keep reading on, he's going to appear to the apostles. In and out, a lot going on. Stuff was, that would uh, confuse you if you didn't know the truth of God's work. What did they do? Let's read here. So they rose up. When? While they're tired, right after this journey, they rose up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem. They knocked those seven, hours, seven miles out like it was nothing. You know, uh, several of us get out of here and we walk around this church building three miles, about as fast as we can go. And I'm telling you, uh, I don't want them to know, but when I get in here, I can barely move. I'm tired, my legs, because I'm old and decrepit. But guess what? Under the right motivation, I probably could run those three miles if I was properly motivated. I don't know. I've never been that motivated. But they were. It's nighttime. It's late. They've already walked seven miles. But they've got something worth telling. And they knocked that seven miles out to Jerusalem back like it was nothing. Look what it says. They returned to Jerusalem that very hour and they found the eleven. What are the eleven? The apostles. And, and those who were gathered with them, other witnesses, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he's appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that happened on that road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. We hear this story, most fantastic story in the world, and some of us won't share it with our neighbor, the next the door, the people that live next door. We ought to share this story with the enthusiasm they did. They knocked the seven miles out back to town like it was nothing. And you know what they said? He's risen. It's, it's like you said it was. It's like Peter said. It's like the women said. It's all true. He is alive. And we saw him. And we talked with him. And we supped with him. And we knocked these seven miles out at night to get back to tell you about it. It is true. Did you know their testimony, amongst all those others, are the reason we're here today? Because they were inspired and they wrote these stories down. 
the true story of the resurrected Lord. Our Savior is not dead and he's not in a grave somewhere. He's alive and he sits on the right hand of God on the throne. And he's coming back to this earth one day to redeem all the saved of the earth. And unfortunately, to those that know not God, obey not his gospel, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8, eternal judgment comes to them. But it doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be me. All we've got to do is believe this story that happened 2,000 years ago on that day, on that day, on that same day. And we can do that this morning. You know, the message is that he is alive and he wants you to live too. You know, he says in Revelations 1, 18, I'm he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. What can we do today to help you? You've heard a story about the most incredible thing that's ever happened on this earth. How that God sent his son as an atonement for your sins and for mine. We read in Romans 5, 8 that it was so, uh, let me tell you what happened. While we were yet sinners and far away from him, he died for us. He's shown you the greatest love of all. And he wants us to remember this day. Keep this day holy. Tell your neighbors, tell your children, tell your spouse that this day is special because our Lord rose from the grave on this day. And we too will be resurrected on this day. If you've not obeyed the gospel, you can do that. The gospel is that Jesus Christ lived on this earth, lived a perfect, sinless life, the Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he died for you. And if you will come this morning and turn around in front of these men and women and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. He says if you'll confess before men that he's the Son of God, he'll confess in heaven before his Father uh, of your faithfulness if you'll make that confession. Luke 13, 3 says we must repent of our sins. If we don't repent of our sins, we will all likewise perish. And then Romans 6, 4 through 6 says this, that if we will die to ourselves, die to your desires, die to your uh, fruitless uh, 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 way of life in, in, in living a man and being sinless, Forget about that. Die to those sins and live for him. Put him on in baptism. Let his blood cleanse you. You can be saved. You can be counted among the faithful. And you can wait like I do and like so many do. Wait on that day for the Lord to come back and redeem us spiritually from this lost world. Can we help you today in any way? We're here for that purpose. I want you to know that. We're here to help you in any way we can to serve God and do a better job of it. If we can help you in any way, come this morning as we stand and we sing.